Welcome back to the DCL Duo podcast. Thanks for listening. Sam and I are so excited to have you join us on our Disney adventures. If you like the podcast and want to support us, please be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast service. We're available on most major providers, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Pocket Cast. Please also be sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Reviews help people who might be interested in listening to our podcast find us more easily, and they also help you, our listeners, as we're able to get even more great Disney guests to come on the show. We'll also shamelessly read new reviews on the air at the beginning of each show so you too can be part of the DCL Duo podcast. If you'd like to connect with us and our podcast community, also be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at DCL Duo, or join our Facebook group for the DCL Duo vlog and podcast. Speaking of our vlog, you'll also find video content from us on our YouTube channel at DCL Duo. Again, thanks for listening, and now, on to the show. Here's another five-star review on Apple Podcasts from Runner Jen. Great content. This was such a treat. It was like I was having coffee with them as they talk about favorites and the best parts of Disney. Such a fun couple. I can't wait to hear more from them about their travel and experiences. Thanks so much, Runner Jen. We really appreciate the review. And to all of our other listeners out there, please remember to leave us a five-star review and leave us your feedback on Apple Podcasts as well. Getting your reviews helps us increase our visibility to get us more listeners and get us other great guests. And now for another episode of the DCL Duo. Welcome back to another episode of the DCL Duo podcast. Um, on tonight's episode, we wanted to play a favorite game from our household, which is called Disneyland versus Disney World. Uh, but this game's a lot more fun with friends. And so we have a couple of friends of the show that we invited to be on with us this evening. And we're excited to have them. And so we want to welcome Adrian and Craig from New York. Welcome, guys. Hey. Yeah, it's good to have you. Um, and uh, so before we get too deep into the actual topic, um, why don't um, why don't you guys kind of introduce yourselves and, um, you know, give kind of your Disney background, so to speak, your experiences with the parks or the cruise line, that, that sort of thing. So, Adrian, do you want to kick things off? Sure. Um, I've been going to Disney World since it opened in 1971. I go four to five, six times a year into Disney World, hopefully once a year to Disneyland. Um, I have five amazing kids that are Disney nuts as well. I am a DVC member at Saratoga, Animal Kingdom, and Bay Lake Tower. I love the cruise as well. It's amazing. Floating Disney. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a favorite, uh, a favorite ship in the Disney Cruise Line fleet? Dream. Dream. All right. Dream. We just got back from the dream, yeah. It was beautiful. I've only done the three nights always, um, but I've always loved it. And hopefully I'll get to go on the fantasy and then the new ships when they eventually come out. Craig, do you want to give a little bit of your Disney background? Sure, absolutely. Well, you know, growing up in New York, we were a Disney World family. So almost every vacation possible was taken to Orlando and um, stayed at Disney almost all the times, you know, nine, ten night vacations, probably once a year. And then as I got older, twice a year, and then I started going to Disneyland and discovered how much fun that was. 
And then also I'm a crazy Disney Cruise Line aficionado, so I have sailed many, many times. Uh, I don't like to share the number because people judge me too much. Um, but I, have, I have been on every ship multiple times, uh, and like Adrian, I look forward to the arrival of the Disney Wish and those beyond her. Perfect. What's your favorite ship? Oh, it's like love the one you're with. You know, I, I've thought about this. If someone said, hey, you've got one week to live, what would you do? I would do Disney Fantasy Seven Night Eastern Caribbean. Ah, oh, oh, that's yes. a good. nice. One of our favorites, one of our favorites. Um, Craig, I think I, I know you're not an annual pass holder, but uh, Adrian, are you? Are you an annual pass holder at either of the parks? I had to become an annual pass holder. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because as time went on and they kept increasing the price, but being a DVC member made it that much easier because when you renew through DVC. The price is just beautiful. Hey, let's dive into the topic of the uh, the evening, which is the um, Disneyland versus Disney World, the great debate. And there's lots of different opinions on this. People are typically passionate about a favorite park. And so I thought we would sort of piece through this a little bit. But I think we have to start at the top, which is sort of the history of the parks, meaning I think Disneyland is typically regarded as Walt's Park. And Disney World is typically regarded as Roy's Park, and so I don't know if if uh, if any 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 of you, Sam, Craig, Adrian, have thoughts about sort of that history when you walk into the park. Does it feel different to walk into Disneyland than it does to Disney World? Anyone have a thought there? To me, it percent. Yeah, to me, it feels different um, in the sense that Disneyland is a lot smaller, right? When you walk into Disneyland Park versus walking into the Magic Kingdom, I think those are the two easiest to compare because they're, you know, they're supposed to be alike. But yeah, Disneyland is a lot smaller. The walkways are tighter. The Main Street is smaller. The castle is smaller. Um, you know, it's, that's, that's the biggest difference to me when I walk in, but it also has a little bit of an older feel and it feels a little bit more authentic, if that makes sense. What do yes. you think, Adrian? I a hundred percent. I, when I, I didn't realize the difference until I went to Disneyland uh, several years ago. And when I walked in, you could almost feel his presence, Walt's presence. Um, all you have to do is look at the firehouse and see the light on and you feel it. I like the smallness. I like the cozy and the home feeling that you get there. I've been to the Magic Kingdom and Disney World a million times. I could tell you I love it. Don't get me wrong. I do <laughs> like the space during certain times of the year, especially when it gets crowded. But there's a hominess and a warmth, and you still get that Walt vibe that you don't get at Disney World at all. Yeah, well, at Disneyland, they have, I mean, they actually have a tour sort of dedicated to it in the sense is it's called, you know, walking in Walk Walt's foot, footsteps. And so the thing that struck me is probably the same thing that both of you have mentioned. When we walked in, it had been a long time since I had been to Disneyland. So we started going again recently in the last couple of years more regularly. Before that, I had gone a lot in, in high school. Uh, Disney World had sort of been my park growing up. In high school, we would go a lot because we could get cheap rates. It was something to do on the weekends. Brian um, went to high school in Orange County, California, so he was close by. <laughs> yeah, so we could shoot up to the park in an hour and kind of go hang out for an afternoon and go home and, you know, get kind of ridiculous, like the $20, $25 tickets for the day or something. You know, it was something nominal kind of fee almost. And uh, But when we went back most recently, I walked into Main Street after having been at Disney, Disney World. I was sort of like, 
the castle's really that small? Like, I don't, I remember it being much bigger. <laughs> well, as a kid, of course, when you're a kid, you, it, everything looks a lot bigger. What's interesting about this show is almost that I think people can easily equate the two parks pretty quickly, like in their minds, they can start to conflate. I mean, I had that experience recently, we'll talk about rides in a yep. second, but I had that experience recently with a ride where I just had a memory of the ride being something that was the same as at Disney World, and it's just... Different. Which is not. So, yeah. I don't know, Craig, did you have any thoughts about kind of the history of it all or the... Uh... Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, so the very first time that I went to Disneyland, I was 21 years old. And this was after having, you know, in essence, grown up visiting Walt Disney World. So I knew what to expect. But I think, like you mentioned, the shock of the scale is what got me the most. And I, I mean, I remember that first time walking into Main Street and, you know, coming around the corner from the train station and seeing Sleeping Beauty Castle and almost, you know, laughing. <laughs> <laughs> the, the shock of it definitely gets you. But then, like Adrian said, there's the intimacy and the scale that plays to a, a different strength where it feels a lot more consumable and you can, you know, get from one end of the park to the other and, and, and enjoy it. Um, from the history standpoint, yes, absolutely. I think you can wander through Disneyland even as a casual visitor and really feel that this park has been there for over 60 years and watch the the portions of the park that have grown up and have expanded and yet see some of the original elements that are there. You know, I think one of the things I love to see is when you're in Frontierland on the rivers of America and you see like that petrified tree oh, that yeah. was, I guess, a gift from Lillian Disney to Walt Disney on yes. one of their anniversaries, you know, seeing some of those like artifacts that just have made their way into the park over the years still be part of it. You really get that sense of this was a game changer, not just in vacation landscape, but in like just Americana. When you get that throughout too, with like the, um, I mean, the Disneyland Hotel has its own history to it. Even the monorail, you know, that they have there and the history behind that. We've been watching or I've been watching some of this stuff on Disney Plus and the Imagineering side of things. And those stories are just fascinating, just even from the business of Disney. Let's turn to something a little more mundane, unfortunately, and talk about kind of the Disneyland versus Disney World in terms of getting there. For us, it's it's a flight no matter which park we're going to. For Disney World, you're flying into MCO, uh, to mm -hmm. Orlando's airport. Disneyland, you've got a choice of Los Angeles or John Wayne. Um, and a couple of others. Long Beach is out yeah. there. Yeah, you can fly into Long Beach. You, you could maybe fly into San Diego and drive up. I wouldn't advocate for that, having lived in Southern California for a long time. <laughs> but do you guys have any thoughts about the sort of getting there kind of aspect to all of this and the differences between the two? Uh, well, I'll say, you know, being... On the East Coast, obviously, heading down to Orlando is such an easy flight. It almost sometimes takes less than two hours, depending on what's going on. So mm -hmm. it's probably similar to your Seattle to Anaheim route, you know, so it seems very easy to do. Whereas heading over to the West Coast is much more of a commitment of a five-hour flight and the mm -hmm. time change and whatnot. So a, a trip to Disney World is much more easy to be done on a whim. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed, agreed. And not to mention the traffic from LAX, because that usually we have to fly into LAX. There's very few direct flights from New York International Airport to John Wayne. I oh, looked yeah, into it point. once before, and it was really difficult. So we have to fly into LAX, and flying into LAX, you have to time those flights. Mm -hmm. So you're not, during, you're not going during rush hour traffic. 
which in, in Los, Los Angeles, Angeles is hard to even predict. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it and definitely it be, is. You know, three hours long. Yeah, that's a really. It good definitely one. is. But when we would do it, we would originally we would try and land at eleven a.m. Mm-hmm. and we would try and leave around one o'clock in the afternoon. So we're kind of taking the tail end because it's a. It could be anywhere, like you know, you guys said, one to three hours to LAX. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's it's a good it's why we sort of advocate the like go if you, if you are on the West Coast if you can get a direct flight to Orange County it might mm-hmm. be more it's well it is going to be more expensive I, I'm almost positive of that but that airport is so God, small so compact so yeah, yeah so fast and so close and yeah. so close to the parks that it, I think any sort of additional cost kind of quickly outweighs the hassle the traffic. Um, all of that sort of stuff. But it's a good point. If you're coming in from the East Coast, you're not probably going to have that option. But that yeah. that kind of leads me to the one other point, which is, so once you're at the airport. What's your transportation get, yeah, Getting to, to the, the parks. parks. I think the one thing I miss, so we travel to Disneyland a lot. Um, they've now eliminated the bus service from Orange County and LAX to the parks. It was sort of oh, a third really? party transportation option. So yeah, it was, it was the magical express, but it was a, it was, it was a Disneyland. A, it was the Disneyland, Disneyland express. express, but it was a third party uh, that ran the buses. It With, was not Disney like it is at Disney world, which I, I've, I've heard the, I've heard the feedback on the magical express, but let me tell you, there was nothing magical about the Disneyland express. I mean, it was fast, but you had to wait for a bus for at least, you know, if you got there at the wrong time, it was going to be an hour you know, there's no luggage transfer to the Disneyland Resort, that sort of thing. You know, so it sort of sets up Disney World, at least, when you set foot into MCO. I think it's actually pretty fast to get from the plane to the Magic Express. They have the luggage transfer service to the resorts that are on on property. It's right. free. It's I think it's just different. I don't know if you guys have experience with the Magic Express or different thoughts. but Or transportation from yeah. LAX to Disneyland as well. Okay, so for me, when I go to LAX... This past time that I went, I rented a car Mm -hmm. um, because I found it to be cheaper at the moment, depending on the deal, than taking Uber. Mm -hmm. The only difference is, is you have to pay for parking if you stay at Disneyland by night. And I, you know, I stayed at the resort. Now, back to Disney World. Yeah, Magical Express is okay, but it was the same thing as Disneyland. Depending on what time you got there, you could be sitting on your bus for anything from 15 minutes to an Ooh. hour because they try and fill up the buses. They don't rush to get the bus out very fast. I usually rent a car because I like being on my own timetable mm-hmm. of getting, and unlike Disneyland, when you get to Disneyland, you're at Disneyland. You don't have to use your car. You don't have to touch your car mm-hmm. because every piece of it is walking and everything's, it's it's no big deal. You go to Disney World, it's it's onerous. It's the parks are very far apart for the mm-hmm. most part. Their transportation system is wonderful. I'm definitely not knocking it. I've taken everything there is, <laughs> it's, except the Skyway because I'm afraid of heights. I feel very adamant about renting a car just for me. It depends on your situation, mm-hmm. what hotel you're staying at. If you're staying. At the Contemporary, you can walk to the Magic Kingdom buses and you can go anywhere to any resort at any time. Mm-hmm. That's a really so good point. Yeah, It's really all depending on where you're staying, what you're doing. In other words, it's buses, boats, Skyway, and they do a great job. I'm not disputing that at all. I just prefer my preference is to rent a car. It's, it's also a good point that I think 
in Orlando, you can kind of quickly enter the Disney bubble. Mm-hmm. Like once you're off the plane and you're on the Magical Express, you are in the warm and inviting hands of Mickey Mouse uh, for the rest of right. your experience. You don't have to touch anything else. Yeah, you don't. You don't. You can get on a bus, get to the resorts, use their transportation. You can even, I mean, if you don't like the Magical Express, you can pay for a minivan from the airport to the hotel to the, uh, the resorts. Um, but it's, it's your inside that bubble. I think it, it sort of highlights for me kind of the next topic, which is Disneyland is in the middle. I mean, it is the anchor of a city that grew up around it. Southern California is basically one expanse of concrete from Southern orange County <laughs> to North of Los Angeles, including the city of Anaheim. There's, there's not, it's not like you, you drive from place to place, like in the Midwest or something. And there's space between the towns, you know, that sort of thing. It is, it is one just massive city and you may not even realize when you've crossed from city to city, but Anaheim, mm-hmm. the park is literally in the middle of a city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's really easy to actually get out of that bubble pretty, pretty quickly. Whereas in Orlando, I think once you're kind of in the magic express heading to the parks or in that bubble, frankly, you're less likely to go do other things. So, you know, uh, one thing I wanted to highlight was just sort of, and get thoughts on was, the, the the sort of I think we've touched on this before the size of the two parks and their situation kind of within the cities where they sit and your ability to kind of get out of that bubble or or not I don't know Craig do you have any thoughts about that I, Oh absolutely I mean I think it just goes without saying that when you're at Disneyland you're most likely going to be seeing and experiencing other parts of California as well whereas Walt Disney World truly is its own entity that you visit once and or not once but you once you get there you're there and there's really no reason for you to leave and obviously that's by design um, but i think for me you know a, a lot of times you know when i do go to disneyland like i'm experiencing other parts of southern california as well and so like adrian mentioned having a car there is just like you just almost have to have one because you want to go grab some food somewhere else or go see another um attraction nearby so the fact that once you're at disneyland you're not blocked off from the rest of the world but when you visit walt disney world you you really are adrian do you when you are going to disney world do you just stay in the mickey bubble or do you venture off to other attractions or other things in orlando um i mostly just stay at disney i do try to go to universal maybe once a year to Mm -hmm. see what's happening and i and i can't deny harry potter world (laughs) i can't deny it um it's beautiful it's well done if i take the week then yeah then i'm gonna go see harry potter world if you're going for a short time it's almost impossible to not to do anything else you have to go if you're going to do other things you have to go for more than four days five days which which sets up kind of a good point which is you know disneyland i think can be accomplished easily in a long a long weekend most of it i think disney world there's no way i mean even in a week you could yeah, you could you, accomplish a lot but i don't think you could say you saw everything you saw everything so i i, I don't know if that resonates with either of you but a hundred percent adian you made a good point like disneyland is compact enough you can walk Between to everything parts, yeah. you don't have to get in your car to do anything in fact there are there's no there's a monorail, but I think it's mostly to get people to and from the parking garage or it's its own sort of ride and attraction. It's not necessary as a transportation option. I think I think what it sets up is that let's talk about hotels. Let's talk about staying mm, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, C- Craig, I know <laughs> you have a particular passion for uh, what well, y- you like to stay on property and off. Um, we tend to stay on property. 
I think you know there there are ben- there are lots of benefits to staying on property at Disney World, not the least of which is just driving to get into the parks can take you know a, a little a, a lot longer than taking oh, yeah. the bus well, from the resort to the park. Right, and if you're at a you're if you're in an outside resort at Disney World, if you're not uh, at a Disney resort, it's going to take you quite a bit longer. Well, you get I think, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong. Especially Adrian, you're the travel agency; you'll know these answers. But it's no free magic bands if you're staying at an off-property resort. No, no free magic bands. There is no sixty day out of making fast passes. Right. No deluxe, no dining plan at all. You can't do a dining if you're off property. And then at Disneyland, I think the list of on-property benefits is a little bit less compelling um, because sure. a lot of the benefits just attach to your length of ticket. So they don't have advanced fast passes. And we'll talk about that in a second. Obviously, the dining reservations are kind of independent of your of your hotel stays. You, really, the only thing you get is that ability to be a little bit closer to the action and some special entrances into the park, depending on what resort you might be staying at. But Craig, why don't you speak? You like to stay off property at Disneyland. And so um, why don't you talk about that experience? Because I think it's really different than the one at Disney World. Oh, Are you sure, kidding? Absolutely. I've known you for forever and I don't even know that about you. How dare you? <laughs> well, I would say this. I would say, you know, all things aside, if the price is right, I would, of course, much rather stay <laughs> at a Disneyland hotel. I love the Grand Californian. Um, I think you all know that I love the Disneyland hotel just because of the Mm -hmm. size of the rooms and it's, you know, the history behind it there. But that said, sometimes if you're just trying to throw a quick weekend in, you know, $600 a night is not always palatable. Um, especially like you said, when the, the perks are not as, um, illustrious. So, being also a frequent traveler in general, I have a lot of loyalty to Marriott hotels, and there are a ton of them all around the Anaheim perimeter. And so sometimes you can get the four points by Sheraton for $90 a night or something oh, crazy wow. like that. And you can still walk to the front entrance of Disneyland. It's almost equidistant as something like the Disneyland Hotel is from the Disneyland Park entrance. So sometimes in that respect, you just can't say no to it because I'd rather spend that money on something else, Mm -hmm. perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Food. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Food and park tickets. Well, and I think the one one benefit of staying on property is if you're actually going to get up early and do that early morning magic hour at the parks – you only get, I think, one of those on a three-day ticket at Disneyland. But if you're staying in the resort, you can right. go you can to Extra Magic day. Hour every every morning. Right. But if, I mean, but for some, you know, there are plenty of people who don't want to hit get the parks until morning. ten right. or eleven in the morning. So, like, it's not it, it's not a benefit that you're gonna you're gonna realize. And nothing, I mean, nothing about staying at the the Four Points, you know, by Sheraton or whatnot, is going to prevent you from you know, getting into any of yeah. the things at the resort, you can still go to Trader Sam's at the Disneyland hotel if that's what you want to exactly. want to do. So, exactly. yeah. Um, and the cost, I mean, the cost is, I mean, you said $600 a night, the grand Cal can get up to seven or $800 a night, depending on when you're trying to get down there. So the difference there is, is huge. Enormous. Yeah. I, think, I think that we as DVC members are very spoiled. So in all fairness to Craig, <laughs> I, 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 no, I, I really do. I think that, when you are DVC and you are afforded the luxury of using points to go almost any time, almost any time, it really puts you at this place where you think, oh, well, I'll just go for this weekend or I'll do this. 
I mean, granted, DVC points have definitely been getting harder and harder to get lately mm-hmm. at any at any resort, much less on California. That's the one thing about California that drives me insane. What is there, like 35 rooms? Oh, yeah, it's, it's that, not nothing. That, that's it. That's nothing. And, you know, that I, I think as DVC members, we take that for granted. So quick question for each of you. Favorite hotel, favorite Disney hotel at Disneyland and favorite uh, Disney hotel at Disney World. Adrian, you first. Grand Californian for sure in Disneyland. Um, you can't beat the exits and entrances to where they are and not having to worry about getting through security. Where at Disneyland, it's it's a mix of people and it's, it's definitely a better place. Um, Disney World, I really like Bay Lake Tower because of just the proximity to the magic kingdom. How about you, Craig? All right. Well, I would probably say Disneyland hotel, as I previously mentioned, I just (laughs) love the history of it. And the fact that the rooms are, you know, twice the size of your standard rooms at grand California in some cases. Um, but grand California does have the proximity card there, but I would still say Disneyland hotel. And then at Walt Disney world, I probably would choose the wilderness lodge. Um, I just love how it, feels like it's so secluded but it's not and mm-hmm. something about that lobby you know it was the it was the first of the lodge resorts and i still think the best so even though it has the same architect as the grand californian and um, disney's animal kingdom lodge i still think it was the you know the first is always the best oh brian and i have answered this before i think but i'll i guess i'll i'll answer next um so i, I know that on Disneyland, I'm going to agree with Adrian, and Brian's going to agree with Craig. <laughs> I was I was going to say the Pixar Pier. Hotel. <laughs> no, Paradise, <laughs> Paradise Pier. Paradise no, Pier. no, no. <laughs> Brian's going to say Disneyland Hotel, and I'm going to say Grand Californian. But I think Disney World is harder. If I would could pick any place to stay. Um, and budget was not an issue. It would probably be the Grand Floridian. I've still never stayed there, but I just think it's amazing. Um, but I really, really, really love the Beach Club. I think it has an amazing pool. I love the proximity mm-hmm. to Epcot. Um, it's just a beautiful resort. Yeah, I, I I like the proximity to Epcot. So I would say like Beach Club Boardwalk maybe. But I, I, I Boardwalk I, is great. Riviera. I'm actually really happy that we own there because that is a. Re- I think that Skyliner is amazing yeah. um as a transportation option but yeah. adrian if you ever get over your fear of heights the skyliner is awesome <laughs> it's really cool but, okay so that covers that covers kind of the hotel options i think you know something else to touch on is something you said adrian was around the dvc option for those who are listening to dvc members i mean grand cal is all but impossible to get into unless you own there and are booking at the even owners have to book at the 11 month window to get it or at least i've had some luck at you know ahead of the seven month window, you know, is you can still find some rooms. The studios go really fast. I think Disney world from a DVC standpoint, while it's getting challenging there, they're at least building new resorts there. Mm-hmm. And so and there's um, a lot of options. You might not get your first choice, but you can, mm-hmm. you know, unless it's like Christmas or, um, you know, spring break or something like that. You can, you can, you can find always find, something. you usually find something. Yeah. Um, I gotta and, tell you though, it's, been harder and harder at Disney World. It yeah. really has. I think sometimes they tend to oversell points and people mm-hmm. now have become very frugal with their points. So where, you know, January used to be such a downtime, mm-hmm. it's not anymore, especially because they changed also the pricing 
where they made it, okay, it's cheaper to go in January to buy a ticket than it is, I don't know, October, let's say, because we all know that Halloween has become the new Christmas. Right. So it's really, they changed their prices. So people, when it was less quiet, like let's say September or January, are now all going Getting these hotels, it doesn't matter whether it's California or Florida now, it's becoming very difficult, mm. DVC-wise. It, you also touched on something you know, that's really good to highlight is the difference between the two parks, which is who's going, right? So Walt Disney World is kind of this like international draw mm-hmm. and gets lots of – I think the, the numbers people generally toss around are like it's 80% vacationers and 20% annual pass holders. And that's somewhat reflected in the steep difference between the price of an annual pass at – Disney World versus Disneyland. At Disney World, I think the annual pass is hovering somewhere just around $900. It's less for DVC members and renewals are a little bit less than that. But at Disneyland, the annual pass is hovering somewhere around, I think, twelve dollars to $1,300, maybe even $1,400 these days. And that's because that park is about 80% annual pass holders and 20% tourists. And so they're trying to kind of keep the annual pass levels controlled so that uh, they can control park attendance a little bit. And they're offering kind of a lot of different ticket options now at Disneyland to also kind of um, foster that, that they don't necessarily have at um, Disney World. So I know at Disneyland, they just implemented, I forget the name of it, but a guest recently, Chris, uh, he and his partner had a ticket that basically it's it's an annual pass, but they have to go online and register their intent to come into the park. And they have only so many available they get a certain number of days a year. No, it's not a certain number of days. They can go as much as they want as long as there are there are a certain number of slots allocated oh, to that pass right. per day and certain blackout periods. But if those slots are taken, they can't go. Um, so they have to sort of go in 30 days in advance and say, yeah, we want to go to the park on this you know, Wednesday. Yeah. Good idea. All right. So we've talked about getting there, kind of the options on where to, to stay and, and what being in the Disney bubble is like in each of these, these places. Um, talked about the size of the parks. I think... We have to hit kind of the fun part of the show, which is the attraction. So I thought we could start with, you know, look, there is a lot that is, I'll say similar. I don't want to say anything is the same. There's a lot that's similar and probably some rides are essentially the same. There's a lot that's different. Why don't we go around and talk about maybe give um, one ride each that is, you know, in our minds, fairly similar between the between the parks, just to kind of give a, you know, yeah. give a few on that. I mean, like the teacups are obviously not going to be drastically different. Dumbo is not drastically different. Yeah. Um, let you, me stop taking all the. Yeah, go ahead. Stop taking all all right, all Sam, you can start. You're already, you're already looking at me like, let me say something. <laughs> let me go say ahead. something. Okay. I think so, about this. Yeah. Now I need to think about it too. <laughs> yeah. I hadn't thought about this either. So um, I'm with both of you. But um, it's a small world. So there, it's a small world there. It's in different locations and sort of the setup of how you get on the ride in each of the parks is different. I think people would say that's a different attraction at Disneyland. No, but I think so. It's yeah. diff- the layout. Yeah. I mean, the loading is different. The layout is different. And the facade but, out front is different. Yes, but it is still just dolls singing to you. <laughs> no, no, no. You have violated now the spirit no. of this of this question. No. Let's go to Craig. Oh. <laughs> so wait, so the question is we're talking first the similar one, the same. Yeah, well, then we'll get then we'll get to no, the ones that are different. exactly the same, yeah. but but cl- but very close or, or similar. I mean, honestly, it's got to be Dumbo. 
But even that, I would say no, because Walt Disney World has the two of them, and it's got that whole interactive waiting area. So. Yeah. All right, so maybe we're finding. I think. I think. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, I got him. I got him. Clearly, the Millennium Falcon and the Rise of the Resistance, because they literally built them at the same time. Oh no, yeah, that's true. a really good point. Oh, true. you're good. Okay, well let's let's switch let's switch gears because maybe same isn't as fun as. Let's talk about our favorite differences between the parks. So rides that you like that are really different. And why don't we start with uh, with with Adrian? Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm. That was For the ride. Sure. I was, yeah, that was the ride I was alluding to earlier. That I had this memory in my head that they were the same, and then we did it recently, and I was like, "This is way different." Yeah. Yeah. Completely which which different. version? Which one do you like better? Disneyland. For sure. How come? Longer, two drops. Yeah. More, just more. It's more of my favorite ride. It can't go wrong. Okay, what about you, Craig? Of the ones that exist between the two at Disneyland, I would say Space Mountain at Disneyland is just light years ahead of the one at Walt Disney World. It's so much better. It's so much. It's smoother. Hyperspace Mountain is, I think, a better ride although when we were there last they had taken that off so yeah um but um for me i would say that one that's different splash mountain between disneyland and magic kingdom very different rides i much prefer the disney world version oh me too yeah i mean it's a much better one it's not like a single person luge ride it's like you sit side by side with somebody um you don't you get wet but you don't get soaked like you do at disneyland so yeah so i i i really much prefer the disney the walt disney world version of splash mountain what about a uh, let's talk about a unique attraction so one that doesn't exist across the parks like a you know favorite one or two kind of attractions that are unique and they can be unique to Walt Disney World. One unique attraction okay. from Disneyland that you like Good. and one unique attraction at Disney World that you like. I'm going to go with Indiana Jones Adventure. I just think it's, you know, top to bottom one of the most immersive and, you know, revolutionary attractions in its time and still stands up, you know, 20 years later. Um and then the opposite one, I would probably say Expedition Everest at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Really? I don't I can't. You took both of the ones that I was exactly going to say. Exactly. Those are my two favorites. Okay. Um, I guess Test Track from Epcot. I do enjoy that. Wait, no. Kilimanjaro Safari in the Animal Kingdom. That is hands down one of my favorites. And Disneyland. I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to say the Incredicoaster. I enjoy a good coaster. And we don't have one like that in Disney World right now. Yeah, and Credit Coaster is one of my one of my favorites. Um, and Everest, I love Everest. I would think so. A unique ride at Disneyland for me. <clears throat> oh, this is t- oh, you know what? I'm going to go Guardians of the Galaxy. I think I think I I prefer. I, I, I call it unique. I mean, I know that Tower of Terror is <laughs> at Hollywood Studios, obviously, but I think that Guardians is a unique ride. Um, mm-hmm. And then at Disney World. I'm going to go, it's tough for me. It's either Slinky Dog or Seven Dwarves. Mm. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the Seven Dwarves mine train. Actually. I, I really like that ride. Our son loves that ride. Um, we, we must've ridden it 10 times in a row recently when we went for one of the early morning hard ticketed kind of things at Disney world. Um, yeah, I love uh, Seven Dwarves. I'm going to do Seven Dwarves. Oh gosh. Um, so Slinky Dog for Disney World for sure. I just love that roller coaster. That's probably my favorite roller coaster in all of the parks. I would say Seven Dwarfs Mine Train would be a close second. And then 
Hmm. For Disneyland. I don't know. I can't think I was, I was going to say. I can help you. I thought of one. Cars. Oh, Radiator Springs Racers, of course. How did, How I, did I forget that? that? <laughs> yeah, that is actually, that is a fantastic ride. And yes, Test Track is, is similar in the sense that it's the kind, the type of ride is is the same. No, they're very different. But they're very different. Yeah, they're very different rides. The only thing I, I Test really Track like has for it is it goes faster. True, but mm-hmm. I like, I prefer Radiator Springs Racers. Yeah, that's a good yeah. one. I also really like the Luigi's, I know that sounds so silly. Oh my god! I know, but I oh actually really you're so cute. Yeah, I love the Luigi's um, tire, whatever it's called. I never remember what the, but it where your your car dances basically, and it's uh, I just love it. It's a really fun ride. I just want I the, love Cars Land. All right, so knowing the knowing the folks on this show tonight, I I am not going to have an answer to this, but I have to ask the question. I know, especially of Craig and Sam, but Adrian, I suspect you living in New York might have a opinion on this as well shows are there any shows at the parks that you think disneyland or disney world that are real standouts and i think the show offerings are somewhat i mean there's some different show offerings between the, the parks i believe um so any any oh, yeah. thoughts on the shows craig you should go first i know you're gonna have an opinion on this yeah oh, so my favorite show my must do show between the two parks at disneyland is mickey and the magical map yeah that's a great one and the reason I love it is because it's basically a Disney Cruise Line show. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like a, a a review of famous Disney hits with a tenuously thin story. <laughs> um, for Disneyland, I was actually going to say the same thing as Craig. Um, Disney World, I don't know. There's really not many that stand out. I know that a lot of my clients and a lot of people have done the new Beauty and the Beast sing-along and have truly, truly enjoyed it, not to be confused with the Beauty and the Beast show at Hollywood Studios. They say it's really beautiful and it's terrific. So I'm going to leave it at that. I'm not sure. I don't think there's really been any standout shows. I mean, if you want to get into nighttime stuff, that's a different story. What? what uh, yeah, nighttime, it seems like, would be... The advantage would go to Disney World just from, I mean, like the sheer size of the projections they can do on the castle there and that sort of stuff. I mean, they're doing really similar stuff at Disneyland. And I guess actually recently we saw the, uh, we got sort of the good viewing of, of fireworks at Disneyland. And, and you know, someone pointed out that, you know, like Tinkerbell at Disneyland is way better than the one at Disney World oh, for yeah. the nighttime spectacular. But, you know, Adrian, as you headed down that path, is, is, do you have a thought on the nighttime spectaculars as between the two resorts? I would say it, it's very different. I think that in Disney World, Happily Ever After is far surpassive to anything. I love that show. It's mm-hmm. a must-do. Um, and then at Disneyland, I think World of Color is magnificent. It's mm-hmm. so beautifully orchestrated and well done. Yeah, those are great. Those are great ones. I agree. On shows, I did want to put in a special mention of my favorite ride at Disneyland, which is the Enchanted Tiki Room under oh, new yes. management. Um, <laughs> I think that that's an original. Um, but let's let's head into the great debate, which is Fast Pass versus Max Pass. I'm not even sure it's a debate. Let me it's put it that way. Not a debate. Um, <laughs> Fast Pass versus Max Pass, and also Magic Band versus Phone App. 
Um, oh yeah, that's a good. I'm going to let Adrian talk about that. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, I I want to hear. So let's. I'm gonna. I want to let Adrian explain <laughs> the difference between FaxPass and MaxPass because Brian and I have talked well, about wait, this ad nauseum. Let's do, let's do that. But before we do that, let's just all real fast. You have to say FastPass or MaxPass. Okay. Sam. MaxPass. Craig. Ditto. Adrian. Same thing. Max. All right. We are united. This is not a debate. Max Pass wins. So, Adrian, you want to describe the difference between the two? Sure. Max Pass is at Disneyland, and you can purchase it actually before you go. So, the minute you walk through the turnstiles, you're capable of getting a Fast Pass single um, right when you walk through the gate. So, it's level playing ground. There's nothing done in advance like Disney World. You're able to walk through, and everybody gets their Fast Pass. So, you're on equal playing ground and you can just keep going, right? Even as you do your fast pass, you can go and while you're online, make your next max pass. So it really keeps it flowing and going. Where in Disney World, you make them 60 days in advance. Most of the time, if you are not online at 7 a.m. making these passes, they are gone by midday. Yep. Um, the good rides, and, and I shouldn't say the good rides, the harder to get rides are gone. Flight of Passage, Smuggler's Run, um, Space Mountain, they're usually gone by yeah, mid day. Not even. Yeah. You, can, you just, it's brutal. And you are only allowed to do three. And that does not include the fact that in certain parks, Hollywood Studios, let's be specific, yep. that there are tiers for the rides. So anything that's new is at the top tier. And then they have the rest. So you could do Smuggler's Run or you could do Slinky Dog Dash. But you're now choosing between the two. Yep. And then you pick two more. And, you know, the, then you're choosing, you know, um, you have to choose between Tower of Terror and Rock and, and, roller, uh, coaster, rock and roller Coaster. Right? It's yep. it's. It's very difficult. It's it's very hard to make choices like that. And this is when it becomes difficult where you have to plan in advance Disney World. Every single moment needs to be planned meticulously mm-hmm. or it's not happening. Yes, you can get another fast pass when you finish the three, but they have to be an hour apart. So you have to plan exactly where you're going to be at the park at that moment. Mm-hmm. And then you could do a filler maybe here or there where you could just walk in, like maybe Mickey's fill her magic, let's say. Mm-hmm. And then you and then you go do another one. It's very difficult to plan Disney World out. It's very hard when you have to plan three rides and that's it. And then you can continuously do one and one. But when people come in or it's the 30 days or the single day, if you get there later, it becomes harder and harder to get passes through the day for anything. Yeah, no, that's, those are really good points. I would also, I would echo that and say that if you are a Disney neophyte, if you are a really inexperienced Disney person, if in order to do Disney world, you really need the help of either a Disney expert friend who is willing to help you plan or Adrian or, yeah, <laughs> or I was going I was to say, or a Disney travel agent like Adrian, it is really hard to navigate it on your own without doing a ton of research well, which, and a ton of planning, which is another, I think it's a key difference between the two parks in terms of vacation. I yeah. think Disneyland is a much more relaxed vacation 
the the fast pass piece of this is you, you don't have to get up at well it's 4 a.m for me on the west coast yeah. to do this and 7 a.m on the east coast to plan those fast passes out because you walk through the gate you get access yeah you just got to be up early so you can get on toy story yeah. by mid, 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 midway mid, midway mania yeah. early mm-hmm. well, but you're gonna be up early at disney <laughs> right. world most of the time D- dining reservations it's 180 days at, right. at disney world it's 60 to maybe even 90 days at uh, Disneyland. I forget I forget which exactly. And the reason I forget is because you almost never, never have to do, do it, it at way. that window. You can do it four weeks out and still get some really good dining if you're not going at a super high uh, traffic time of year. So I think just highlighting, like, there is a different level of planning. I mean, I've seen posts in Facebook groups and elsewhere with people with these complex spreadsheets and modeling and all this sort of stuff <laughs> because they've already booked their dining reservations and then their fast passes hit and the fast passes don't really work out well with the dining and then they got to move yeah. things around. They're planning their rides. I mean, Touring Plans has a, an entire you know website devoted to putting together minute by minute you know, schedules and itineraries for you that you just don't need at Disneyland. And so Adrian, as you were saying, you walk through the turnstiles, you're on that even footing and you can, you know, I've had, we've had eight, nine, 10 max passes. And the the secret is just get that max pass. It tells you when you're eligible for your next one. I immediately just, you know, ask my phone to set an alarm for that time. And when it comes up, I I get another one. Or if we're in line and we've just used the last one, then I'm, I'm booking another one. Right. So um, I think that that the max pass is just it's it, it is much more egalitarian, I guess, or democratic process of getting getting passes because at Disney World, I mean, we haven't even mentioned there's the 60 day and 90 day window versus staying on or off property. But there's also if you're staying club level, you can buy more fast passes. Right. And then if you're yes. going for a short period of time, it's actually harder to get fast pass uh, fast passes for some of the top tier attractions because people can book their fast passes for the full length of their stay. And so there's there's an art and a science for fast passes. that I think Max Pass just removes some of that. I would take spending ten dollars per day any day of the week than dealing with this. And you know, what Sam was saying is so true. It's And what you were saying about spreadsheets. I mean, you have no idea how much work really goes into this. When I'm doing my clients, I'm up at 6.55 in the morning getting ready to go on to book their fast passes per day. But in front of me, I have to have their dining layout so I can... <laughs> So you can book, so you know which park they're going to be at for breakfast, which park they're going to be at for lunch. Are you getting a hopper? Are you not getting a hopper? Mm -hmm. You know, one park per day. A lot of my clients would choose to do the one per day because it's less money, which is fine. And I can appreciate it because you can really, most of the parks are one day parks now. Yeah. I think Epcot's a little iffy, but. Yeah. I think with Disney World, yeah, other than Epcot, I agree. I think it's even if you, we get a park hopper, well, that we have annual passes now, but we used to get park hoppers even before we've had annual passes. And we, we don't really do that much park hopping though, because we, you know, it, it really is, you want to be dining in the same place that you have the fast passes because it takes quite a bit of time to get between the parks at Disney world. But that's a good, yes. that's another good point is that Disneyland I've had a couple people even ask me at work and elsewhere like, Oh, do we need the park hopper? It's actually a key difference with max pass max pass. So fast pass, you can only have fast passes in one park during right. the day. Max pass. You can max pass across the parks mm-hmm. and the parks are literally 150 yard. The entrances are 150 yards across a, across a square or a courtyard. Mm-hmm. And so 
hopping is like you want to park hopper at Disneyland. Well, but not necessarily. If you're going for more than one day, you don't nece- you don't need a park hopper, right? Well, but you think could... about those times that we've gotten into the no. park and one's been super busy and we're just like, you know what? We're hopping over to California. Adventure. True. I'm just saying I think that people you can get by without a park hopper really in in I- either Disneyland or Disney World. You can get by without one if you're if you plan it right. Yeah. You know, it's not great. Yeah. But I think in Disneyland, I'd prefer a hopper more. Like, like Brian was saying, I like the idea that if, if I see that there's rides available on Max Pass where Disneyland is kind of getting short on Fast Passes, I could go on and see that whatever is still available in Disney, in um, California Adventure, and shoot over there and go. Yeah. Well, and it probably tells you something about how crowded that park is. That's mm-hmm. right. You know, so if there's a lot of max passes available in one park and not in the other, you're you're going to get an idea that that park is less crowded and it exactly. might be a good time to switch over. So that's a, that's a really good point. All right. So let's let's shift let's shift gears to the next next quick topic, quick roundtable topic, Magic Band versus Phone App. So Magic Band oh. at Disney World <laughs> Is your key and ticket to everything the Disneyland app at Disneyland Resort is your key and ticket to everything? Real quick, phone app, Magic Band, or Pass? So, Sam? I'm going to say Magic Band. I I think there's a way that they could combine the two that would be even better. But I'm going to go with Magic Band. Adrian? I I agree with Sam that they should be combined. Um, Craig will tell you that when the Magic Bands first came out, I had very strong language that is not (laughs) (laughs) Disney-friendly at all for the Magic Bands. Um, I have since retracted those statements and enjoy the Magic Bands because it's just easier, and I think they should implement them even on the cruises because it's it's easier than carrying that ridiculous card everywhere. But Craig? I would say the phone app. And the only reason is, sure, the band is convenient, but you still need the phone to do anything. Yes. So maybe until such time that, you know, you can actually transact from the band, then I think the phone app is your one stop. You mean, you mean, hey, Mickey, functionality isn't coming to the Magic Band anytime soon? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mickey, like, hey, Siri. <laughs> um, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's so, it, it, so let's, let's segue from there into sort of like, you know, what are things that you wish you could move between the parks, right? So like, I, I think, like, if I look at what we've just talked about, I think there'd be consensus like, man, we wish we could have Max Pass at Disney World and Disneyland. Um, I kind of wish they had magic bands at Disneyland. I agree with Adrian. I think they'd be fun at Disneyland and on the cruise line um, as, as a sort of a way to do things. But, you know, um, Adrian, is there something that you wish you could just lift and shift from one park to another? Or replicate, at least, yeah. if not lift I and shift. I wish, it's funny, my kids and I were having somewhat of a similar discussion last night. I wish that I could take the dining options at Disney World and put them in Disneyland. That's a good uh, one. That's a really good point. Yeah. There's so many, re- it's ridiculous how many restaurants there are where I feel like Disneyland and maybe that's why reservations are easier to come by because there's just not as many options. Yeah. Well, and the quality of the options, I feel like it's all kind of bunched in the middle. I mean, Disneyland has some good food. There's lots of good, there is good food options, but I do think the range of really good food options at Disney World is much wider, whereas mm-hmm. at um, Disneyland, you've got a few really good options and then everything kind of bunches in the middle. Um, yeah, agreed. And I, but I still 
say, as I said in our other podcast episode, I do still think that, you know, Disney Springs is where the best food is at Disney World. Yeah. Well, in the Disneyland, I'm not sure that there's... um, I think the Disney Springs food is better than the downtown Disney food. You think the Dis? Yes, yeah. I agree. Yeah, 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 I mm-hmm. agree with that. But I, but I also think that it's hard because I'm not sure that Disneyland has a huge incentive to open up a lot no, of great restaurants because it is Anaheim. a lo- it's yeah. a, well, it's a locals park. Yep. And so the locals are going to go eat where they want to eat. Um, they can easily go off site to eat. And even if you're staying off property, you can see. So it's like it, in some ways it's a hard problem. But yeah, I don't know. I, so the dining one's interesting. I think on the dining topic, too, the thing to highlight is the difference between the two parks is Disney World. You have the ability to get a dining plan. You don't have that at Disneyland. You know, I'm not sure that's essential to anyone's vacation, mm-hmm. but it is a key difference. The other thing. Oh, it uh, is to age. <laughs> oh, that's oh, that's true. Oh, you have uh, no idea. <laughs> and um, at Disney World, uh, especially if you're a DVC member or a local, you get access to tables in Wonderland, which is a really right. significant and great discount on the dining there. That obviously does not translate to to Disneyland. Yeah, it um, just doesn't exist at Disneyland. Yeah. yeah, it pops into my head too that the other major difference between the two parks is the caliber of their Club Thirty Three offerings. But I'm assuming none of us have actually set foot in one, so we probably can't really. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure Craig has. Oh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe for another topic. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say for me, I would love to replicate Cars Land. And Toy Story Land, because I I love both Cars Land and Toy Story Land, but each only exists in one place. Cars Land is only at Disneyland, and Toy Story Land is only at Disney World at Hollywood Studios. And I think both are really wonderfully done. They're very different, obviously, and from different movies, but they're both really well done. And they also both have a couple of really great rides. And so I would really love to bring Toy Story Land to Disneyland because we go there more often. And so I would love to be able to go on Slinky Dog um, when I'm, you know, when I'm in California. See, I just I strongly disagree with replicating the land because I think it's important that the parks have some uniqueness to them. No, I get that. I get that. But it's but you were asking if I could make sort of my perfect park, right? If I could make my perfect park, my perfect park includes both Cars Land and Toy Story Land. Fair enough. Craig, anything you would move between the the parks or or replicate between the two? Well, I mean, I love Walt Disney World's Splash Mountain so much. And like Sam said earlier, just really don't love Disneyland's version. So I almost say my answer would be, can we plus Disneyland's Splash Mountain to be more like the one at the Magic Kingdom? It's already there, so it's not not like adding a new ride, but can you go in and just, you know, punch it up? All right. So, any 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 final thoughts? Any differences that we feel like we didn't touch on that are that are important oh, for people? I, I think we haven't done a favorite park, and I don't mean oh. a Disneyland versus Disney World, but specifically your favorite park between all of them. And this could be an international one if you've been to an international one as well. Oh, good, because that means Craig will answer with an international answer. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think it could be, you know, so any, and I'm saying individual parks. So with Disneyland, you're talking either Disneyland Park or California Adventure, Disney World. We're talking all four, I guess, plus the water parks, Mm -hmm. although I'm not sure anybody would choose a water park as their absolute favorite park. No, but that's also a good difference. That's also a good difference difference to flag is that there are water parks available at the Walt Disney World Resort. Sure. No water parks parks in Anaheim. Anaheim, Well, no Disney water parks. No Disney water parks. All right. So Craig, go first. What's your favorite park? 
Oh gosh, this is like again. It's like trying to pick your favorite ship. I would have to say of the castle parks, though, I do love Disneyland Paris. Sam, uh, California Adventure. Adrian, Disneyland. All right, I'm I'm with Sam. California Adventure is probably my favorite park. I love the thrill rides, and I think it has the best sort of. Uh, lineup of throw rides or a few I wish they had, but, but yeah. So, well, this has been a lot of fun guys. Thank you for coming on and, and, and talking the, uh, talking about the differences between Disneyland and Disney world. Adrian, before we head out, do you want to let people know how they can get a hold of you for their, for, get a hold of you for their travel planning needs? Um, sure. That would be great. So it's let it go journeys and it's 516-728-6565. Or you can email me at wdwsmiley71 at gmail.com. And we'll put that, we'll make sure to put that email address in the show notes for folks if they want to find it later. But really, guys, just want to thank you for coming on the show. It's been, it's just been so much fun. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming, you guys. Thank you for oh, having us. This was great. Anytime. This was great. <laughs> Well, that was a really fun episode talking about Disneyland versus Disney World with Craig and Adrian. Thanks everyone for listening this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL duo each week. Please also leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts. Those reviews are really helpful in making the podcast more visible and enable us to get more great guests on the show, just like Adrian and Craig. If you want to send us a question or be a guest on the show or have a topic you'd like us to discuss, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also head over to the DCL Duo channel on YouTube for even more great content. The DCL Duo podcast and blog are not affiliated with the Disney Cruise Line, the Walt Disney Company, or the Walt Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Walt Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Walt Disney World vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Speaking of travel agents, if you'd like to contact Adrian, her information is in the show notes. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL duo. Good night.